Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Service Accommodation Property Podcast and also Keep It Real with Khadija's podcast. Keeping It Real with Khadija's podcast. So this is going to be a bit of a hybrid, you called it Khadija, is that right? It is a hybrid, yeah. Absolutely. So what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be interviewing Khadija as a somebody that owns cleaning company and works with service accommodation clients and you're going to be interviewing you as a serviced accommodation host and finding out what you think of cleaning companies also. (laughs) (laughs) So both sides of the fence. That's what we're going to be uh, covering in this podcast. So we're going to be interviewing each other. And we're going to be seeing seeing it from both perspectives. And so I'm going to be asking you a question first. Am I allowed to go first, Khadija? Of course. I'm always going to be asking for permission. Those of you that um, Khadija is well known. I'm very scared. I'm 10x scared. 10x scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, shall I kick off, Khadija? Please do. Right, so... First of all, before we get into um, business or the business of service accommodation, um, I just want to know, because I've I've watched the series of The Apprentice, and and you were fantastic, by the way, very entertaining. I think you sort of, you started off 10x scary and then you dialed it back a little bit. Did did the producers say that you're being a bit too scary? No, Lord Sugar did. He did, (laughs) right? He said, stop, and I stopped. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, I suppose if Lord Sugar tells you, gives you some advice, it's probably worth taking Take the advice. Course. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I f- that's where I first um, saw you on the telly. And so now you are working with Progressive, obviously, yes. as I am. Okay. And so we decided to interview each other uh, for our respective podcasts. So, but what I want to know before we get into the business of SA specifically is what is it like being a mumpreneur, okay? What's it like being an entrepreneur, being, bringing up kids, getting into business, working yeah. um, in, this, in this environment? What's that like? Am I allowed to say a naughty word? Oh, yes, I think... Well, <laughs> it's not that naughty. No, no, how naughty it's, it's going to be. It's not that naughty. It's bloody hard, okay. I'll be honest. Right. It is really difficult. I think the biggest thing often that is my challenge is mindset. So mummy guilt... And then success. Mummy guilt. Mummy guilt. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's the thing, clinically. No, I think it's parent guilt. Let's be PC. Yeah. I think mums and dads have it. But for me, it's mummy guilt. So I am really driven and really entrepreneurial. And I really want to change my life. And a lot, everyone that watched The Apprentice saw the after show where it showed that I, you know, left home at 15 and, and I've had it quite hard, I'd say. And so for me, all I want is my kids to have the best life. But for me to be able to give them the best life, it means that I have to put a lot of attention into being successful. By doing that, it means sometimes that I miss out on things that I want to do with the children. So it's constantly like being on this weighing scale. I am a Libra, so balances is our thing, right? But I constantly find that I'm to and fro equally. I love being busy and having children and a business and working with Progressive and doing podcasts and all these things. It drives me and I couldn't be bored. You couldn't just, be bored? No, I'd rather, I'd rather be run down and finding it really difficult and having all of these things and spinning all these wheels than just sitting being bored. I couldn't sure. do that. And do you, do you have any help? Do you have family members that help you? Um, so how do, how do you manage to juggle all the things and spin all these plates? I mean, 
advice to people out there that are thinking of having children and haven't yet, wait until your parents have retired so that they can help <laughs> with childcare. Because unfortunately, I don't have that benefit. My mum works full time oh, and wow. Simon's parents both work. So, um, yeah... In hindsight, wait until parents are retired. Um, I have really great... Uh, my eldest has just started school, so she's in reception, so that's good. Um, it's half-term at the minute, so okay. she is kind of dotted around from friend to friend, so that's how we make that work, because I don't want to pay double childcare. And my youngest is in an amazing preschool, and she goes there kind of every day. And, you know, I work here with Progressive, but I do school hours, and, and Rob and the team have been great about the fact that the reason I started a business was for my children, in essence. And so I wouldn't now want to do a nine till five or a, an eight till eight, because that's not my reason why. So... Mm. I think Rob gets that and everyone gets that and it's great. Okay, fantastic. So mm -hmm. you've got your reason why and that's what drives you forward. For sure. Yeah, really important actually. Um, we all need to tap into our reason why. Yeah. That's what gets us going each day. All the so time. So what have you got for me? Okay, my first question. So I obviously have a cleaner business and we've cleaned a lot of service departments and we currently have about 15 that we clean regularly at the minute. But what advice would you give to someone like me who perhaps knows a bit about serviced accommodation but hasn't taken the steps to either do it on a rent-to-rent -rent basis or on an owned property basis? Really, I'm excited, I'll be honest, I really am excited. I am going to get into serviced accommodation. I love serviced accommodation. I see how it will work. Um... But I guess there's always that fear. What if I sign up to a to an agreement of a property, a tenancy agreement, and then, you know, I have two weeks where no one stays? What advice yeah. would you give me? Okay, great. So there's there's quite a few things in there. And I think that a, a lot of people, they do service combination in the wrong way in that they essentially take an awful lot of risk, go to straight into the acquisition of service accommodation, and ultimately, far too many um, steps down the line, if you like, they find out that service accommodation doesn't work for them as mm -hmm. well as it should do. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like to reverse engineer it right back and, and actually say that people should definitely get trained mm -hmm. in serviced accommodation mm -hmm. before getting into serviced accommodation because there's an awful lot of moving parts like cleaning mm -hmm. and like working with cleaning companies to consider. And so our, our, our model... Uh, that we've uh, uh, created in order to teach service accommodation is the DEALS model. Mm. And the deals, the D stands for due diligence and the E for explore and the A for acquisition. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the logistics and then you've got the scrutinise. And ultimately, people miss out the D and the E and go straight into acquisition. And mm. then after that, they that's when service accommodation becomes difficult. So I would definitely advise... Mm getting some education. I really don't understand why people get into property and invest more money than they have invested in anything else yeah. into property and do it without any training whatsoever. Um, Bonkers. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, but property education is expensive, Kev. Well, actually, ignorance is more expensive. Oh, so true. Well, they say, I can Google it, right? They say I can Google that? it. They say I can Google it. So <laughs> people are definitely take, making a good call um, listening to this podcast mm. and ultimately um, listen to good podcasts, 
get some uh, advice, get some training, mm. maybe maybe get a mentor, yeah. uh, learn from the mentor's uh, mistakes rather than learning from your own mistakes. Yes. Um, so that would be advice I would give to people thinking about getting into service accommodation. Yeah, just off of that. So I know quite a few estate agents in Peterborough and obviously since my newfound fame, uh, I say that with a cringy expression you can't see on the podcast, but... Um, I've had people say to me, oh, I've got these properties if you want to turn them into a serviced accommodation. Yeah. And I can't lie, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, well, I only need £900, you know, one month's upfront and one month's deposit and da, da, da. And so I can see how people get very excited because they think that maybe the properties aren't going to come through that easily or that frequently. So they jump in headfirst and then make the mistakes afterward. So... I am going to take your advice on board and make sure that I do the first two steps before I jump on and mm. take on one of those properties. Absolutely. So you did make, you mentioned Rent to SA, which is a, it's a great way of getting into serviced accommodation yeah. because for those people that um, maybe you're new to service accommodation and, and don't know and aren't familiar, um, Rent to SA being just renting a property either from a letting agent or mm. direct to the owner, direct to the landlord. Uh, and then using that as service accommodation. Um, mm. And yes, that's a fantastic model because it requires so much less initial investment. Mm -hmm. People go um, you know, and buy a property. Let's face it, there's a, a big chunk as, of a deposit. Mm. There's all the conveyancing to be done. It can take a while. Then there might be a full refurb to be done, a refinance, all of mm -hmm. those things. And then um, try using it as service accommodation then and that's that's fine that's another acquisition model and that's what I do and that's what I teach but I actually advocate people doing rent to SA to start off with because it's so much less of uh, a risk in terms of um, initial expenditure initial investment and um, time it's just so much quicker yeah and so yeah absolutely you can once you have done your D and your E, your due diligence and exploring all of the different costs, yeah. then you can go to the acquisition and that acquisition might be rent to SA. And, and that's, one of, that's actually the, the most popular acquisition service accommodation model um, from the people that um, I train. They go straight into rent to SA. Because ultimately, once you've tried and tested rent to SA, yeah. The worst thing that can happen with rent to SA, if you haven't paid enough attention on your D and your E, and the property isn't working as well as you would like, guess what? You can give it back. Yeah, that's true. Um, but if it does work brilliantly, then why not go into service accommodation management? Why mm. not then go into purchasing property to do service accommodation with? Mm. So it's a really good way of, of, if you like, trying before you buy rent to SA. And if Khadija Khalifa would like to know where to go to get all of this wonderful information before going to A, where would I go, Kevin? Well, <laughs> spookily enough, we at Progressive do, uh, we train people in service accommodation. So uh, we do a, a, a sort of a taster day um, called a service accommodation discovery day. Yeah. And um, I, I sell the discovery day on, on podcasts. I go out and do property networking meetings where I sell the discovery day and, and the price uh, varies. Every now and then we will do a promotion. So uh, watch this space. There might be another promotion coming up soon where you can get a free discovery day. And uh -huh. there's, there's, it's a half day, but you can learn quite a lot in that half day. Yeah. And then there, there is our two-day course. And, um, and then we obviously have our mentoring package as well. Yeah. But um, that would be a really good um, try-before-you-buy type thing to come to a service combination discovery day. I'm there. I am there. Ooh, well, I'll let I'm you know. I'll, the I'll, day off. I will post the dates. In fact, yes. for this podcast, I might actually um, 
for those people that like and share the podcast, for that particular one, I might give those people a, a free discovery day to come, <gasps> come here to Progressive. Disclaimer. Okay. He so... said it, it's recorded. He's got to stick to it now. Okay. I've lost track of who's asking who. I need who. to ask you You're one. asking me. Okay, I let's go. I need to ask you one. I would like to know, Khadija. Yes. What does a good service accommodation operator look like? and act like um, from a cleaning company point of view. Tell, tell us what's good. Okay, so we have two clients that we're working with at the minute that we have worked with for over 18 months. And I'll be honest, that is my longest time frame that I have ever worked with 1SA host. And the reason that it works so well with them is because they manage their own expectations and we hold our hands up if we've missed an email, a bookings come through on an email. So we went through a stage where we used to use channel managers and all of those things and they would CC us in. But then it's, I started to realise as a business owner that actually I now have to pay for a team member to manage the channel manager and I'm not getting paid for that. So we're only getting paid for the cleaning, but now I have to do all of this admin around it. So we started doing it through bookings, uh, booking emails. And also we have a Facebook messenger group. Sounds silly, but we do. And if they say, you know, the beds are interlocking uh, beds, so they go from king size to That's two twins, means, yeah. exactly. So if we've gone in and we've cleaned and everything's great, but we've kept it as a king because maybe on their side the communication wasn't right or it was our side, um, there's no blame game. So that's what a good host looks like. I think a bad host, I know I'm jumping the gun, but a bad <laughs> host is somebody that cannot take ownership of what maybe they could have done to make the situation easier and it's all the cleaner's fault and everything is on the cleaner what i am finding works well is that the host is able to say look this didn't work whether it was your fault or our fault what can we do to fix it and yeah. that's how we move forward and in that instance if we've kept a bed as a king and it needs a twin then we get someone straight out you know if it's our fault we go straight out if it wasn't our fault and the host hadn't told us the host then goes straight out mm. I think you can't expect to, I think what a bad host expects is someone that's going to do everything anytime of any day with no extra cost. And what a good host expects is that they know that they are working with people and not robots. Okay. Okay, fab. So you sort of answered to both of yeah, those, those questions. That's, that's fine. Um, it worked better. It worked better to do both at once. Yeah. So um, what... What I find, um, and we haven't um, talked about this in advance, no, um, we but um, what I find is that we, we work with three different um, service combination uh, cleaning uh, companies, yeah. okay, uh, where they're working solely on our business. And then with our uh, clients, so we've got lots of JV clients all around the country um, doing service combination. Um, and what we find is the by far the best time to get everything ironed out and clarified is before you actually sign contracts and get into business with sure. people. Yeah. And so ultimately, what a lot of people do is retrospectively with their cleaning companies, they will then say, oh, can you also do this? Yeah. And can you also do that? And can you also do that? And do they ask to, you to do it yes. still in the same price? And, 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 what sort of things do they ask you yeah, to do retrospectively? And, yeah, and I've got to be honest, obviously, when you're a cleaning company and, and you're growing and you've got all this ambition like people have seen I have, as soon as I heard about serviced accommodation, oh, it was like Christmas had come up once. Yes, and they're going to pay me loads of money and I'm going to have regular custom all the time and they're not going to cancel because they need me, so they can't cancel. Yeah, that's how it started. Great. 
And then it was, oh, and also, can you put the bin out on a Tuesday, even if we haven't got a booking? I can, but you kind of need to pay for someone to do that. No, but you're our cleaning, I'm your cleaning company. I'm not yeah. your bin putter outer on a Tuesday when you didn't have a booking. And also, oh, also, could you do this? Also, can you do that? Also, could you clean out the fridge and, bin, and put all the stuff in there? We can, but, you know, you kind of originally, I find that in the ones that are one house with rooms. And so they might have someone that's staying there for six weeks. They might have someone staying there for three days. The fridge is always an ongoing issue because do we bin the food or we leave the food? We don't want food going multiple for the other people real life problems first world problems people but this is the thing so then if you have open communication with your SA hosts and they understand firsthand that okay wait a minute what do I do about this food situation let's be realistic then we can work through it if they then call you up at 8pm on a Saturday night because one of the guests has complained that there's a mouldy banana in the fridge it's not our fault you mm. have a building with people that are coming and going at different times we can't bin the mouldy banana because someone might like mouldy bananas <laughs> do you know what I mean that's the only point at that point the host should go okay I told you to do this a guest has complained about a mouldy banana if this guest if this host sorry lives somewhere else and they're doing this remotely like for instance you're here and your essays are in Plymouth and if the mouldy banana situation happened you're not going to leave Peterborough to drive to Plymouth to get rid of the mouldy banana I get that but also what I would hope that you would understand is that if you had this agreement set up if you then want your cleaners to go and remove said mouldy banana that you would either speak to the guest about what needs to happen or you would ask the guest to put the mouldy banana in the bin or you would explain to the cleaner that you would pay them a little bit extra for their time is that what we would do? <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, sure. So I, I think what we just uh, established there is... is mouldy bananas are a problem. Mouldy bananas are definitely a problem, but things like this just need to be spoken about in advance. They do. Before. And so as many things, that whatever you think you're going to want the cleaning company uh, to do for you needs to be discussed mm -hmm. at the point at which... The cleaning company says, okay, fine, based on everything that you would like us to do, um, these are our prices. Mm. And so, I don't know, we, again, we haven't discussed this in advance. What I prefer to do with cleaning companies mm. is just have a fixed rate for how much the clean is going to cost. Yeah. I don't want to be paying a different rate depending on whether it's um, tidy or messy. Yeah. I want a fixed amount. And uh, you probably, well, you'll be fully aware that sometimes guests will leave a, pro a property uh, nice and sometimes they will leave it like a war zone. Yes. Um, but I, I prefer not to be having to negotiate over yeah. how much each clean is going to cost. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you're working with a cleaning company that is experienced with service accommodation, they will know on average how long mm. it's going to take to clean a studio, a one bed, a two bed, uh, up to a five bed property yeah. or even larger. And so I just want the cleaning company to say to me, this is how much per clean it's going to cost. And then you, let's say we, we like to ask uh, our cleaners to do an inventory check because they're the first people that are arriving at the property. And so they are our eyes and ears. Mm. Our, our cleaners are the, one of the most important could even be the most important moving part in our business. Yeah. And they are our eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. So they need to let us know immediately if things are missing. Mm -hmm. Now that obviously takes time. If the cleaners are gonna go in there and have to start checking, is the remote control yes. where it should be? Is there anything that's been taken yes. um, from the property? 
because that needs to be addressed and um, the outgoing guest needs to be asked where is the piece mm-hmm. of equipment and it could just be the case that they've accidentally put a remote control in their bag or something like yeah. that but this causes massive problems yeah. for you when the next guest turns yeah. up and there's no remote control mm-hmm. so we do ask the cleaners to do these things but we do it before we we uh, uh, sign a contract with that cleaning company so that they can say well based on us doing an inventory and us informing you and taking photos of damage and us doing all the things like making sure the light bulbs are working and maybe replacing light bulbs for you and all these different things that we do ask our cleaners to do. They then give us the price Mm -hmm. and then retrospectively, we're not saying, oh, can you also do this and can you also do that? And so I don't know how how you feel about that, whether or not that would be advice that you would give out to people. No, I love that. I think this is the problem sometimes I get because I've seen both sides and I've made really good friends with a lot of SA hosts through Progressive and other things. The thing is, if you want or if you need all of these things to happen, I definitely think, like you said, you need to be checking your due diligence and your expiration because the problem that I have found my worst case scenarios are people saying, yes, I need you to do an inventory, but I can't afford to pay any extra time. Yeah. If you can't afford to pay extra time because you've taken a deal that is very tight, then you need to reevaluate what you are doing. You cannot then inflict that burden upon the cleaning company and expect them to then lose money because, yeah. I mean, at one point I was working with a couple of hosts where I was losing money as a business because I was trying to make sure that they didn't lose money. Mm. And that was because we hadn't done what you said and ironed out everything at the beginning. And that was no one's fault. I was new to SA, they were new to SA. So there's no blame game here. But the point of it was, had I, you don't know what you don't know, right? And had I have known that at the beginning, I would have said, your inventory is going to take this long. There's this. Then you want linen. I can give you to the... I mean, I had a scenario where someone had a fifth floor apartment, uh, sorry, third floor apartment on a high street with no parking and there was nowhere to store linen. And we were asked to store linen in a storage unit, which was fine because we have vehicles. We picked up the linen. We took it every time. It was there were two king size beds and a, and a sofa bed in this property. So we would then get there, and if it was one person on a Sunday because they only had that one, they were taking three lots of bedding up three flights of stairs, and there was nowhere to store linen. So then they had to bring the dirty linen back down three flights of stairs. There's logistical things as well that I think maybe sometimes SA hosts, and I would have done it myself with the estate agents I mentioned, we get excited, we want to take the deal, we want to start because we're entrepreneurial, but you need to think about the logistics. If there's no lift and nowhere for you to store linen, how on earth do you expect your cleaner to be able to do that? It's going to become too much like hard work and you'll lose them and you'll keep going through cleaners again and again and again and it's going to be a problem for your business. Sure, and and I think it's actually really important. I prefer... Um, to work with a cleaning company once I've established that that cleaning company is experienced at working with serviced accommodation Mm. clients. Now, I say serviced accommodation clients. um, A cleaning company that only works with um, people that have a weekly clean at the same time each each week we call those domestic domestic cleans they're not they're not the same it's not and i think it's really important for you to know that your cleaning company um knows what they're getting into because Mm. because some cleaning companies can obviously bite off more than they can chew now 
it's as a service combination operator, it's really important. Do you accept same day bookings? Do you accept one night bookings? Because if that is the case, then you're going to be asking your cleaners to clean at literally a drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. And so we personally don't accept same day bookings and we don't accept one night bookings because they are more likely to create parties. But there's no no right or wrong in this. It comes down to Mm. your own appetite as a service combination operator. But the, the fact of the way we set ourselves up is our cleaning company is going to have two days notice of a Perfect. clean. And so that's what we explain to our, our cleaning company and our cleaning companies um, prefer that model. I'm writing this down. It's definitely something that you need to consider because if you are constantly giving your cleaning company a problem mm-hmm. and they're having to dry and drop everything to keep you happy, then mm-hmm. you're so much more likely to lose your cleaning company. Amen. And if there's not enough money in it for the cleaning company, then you're likely to move to lose them. And do you know what? Starting off with a new cleaning company, I'm not going to say it's as bad as Brexit, but it's not far off. It's not fun. It's in work embedding a new cleaning company. So you, you want to pick a good cleaning company and yeah. work well with that cleaning company. Yeah. And then the other thing that I don't know how you feel about this, Khadija, but is we say how much to clean. Yes, you're going to ask the hourly rate. Does mm. that hourly rate include VAT? Is that cleaning company about to become VAT registered? How is that going to affect the prices? Yes. It's, let's face it, it's likely to make the prices uh, go up. So mm. you need to be aware of that. But please don't. Ask what the hourly rate is for a, that a cleaning company will charge. And then because you've got a studio or one bed, say, oh, that's fine. It's only going to take them 45 minutes. So therefore, it's only going to be 15 quid. So because yeah. it's just not, is it? No. Why on earth should the cleaning company go drive across town, lug everything up, up the stairs, oh, clean, Kevin, clean a you. property, <laughs> um, deal with all the issues, lastminute.com, uh, to get back in the car, to then drive across the other side of town for 15 quid? Thank you. Trying to run a business. Music to my ears. I love this. Yes. So the point is, if there isn't enough profit, if there isn't enough turnover because you haven't done your D and your E and perhaps you you weren't knowledgeable enough to be getting into it in the first place, Mm. then there's not enough money to pay for a good cleaning company. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I've got to be really honest, and I said this to Kevin before we started recording. I had a pretty negative view on SA hosts. Um, My cleaning business has been going for four years, so we started taking on SA around two-year mark. We weren't VAT registered at that point. We became VAT registered after I had to overcome that, letting all my domestic and commercial Commercial wasn't a problem. Domestic and essay, letting them know that we're now VAT registered. And um, so we overcame that. But I think, like, I'm not saying that cleaning businesses are perfect. We make our mistakes as well. You know, it's it's very hard as an owner of a cleaning business. I could clean essays all day, every day, and I could pretty much guarantee that they would be 99% there. You know, like I see the hair and I see the fact that that cup has got a little stain on it or, you know, I've pulled back the sheet and I can see there's a little mark and I'm doing the inventory checks. When you have 35 employees, it's quite hard to get them to look at a property the same way you do. And when you're doing domestic cleans, which predominantly is how most cleaning businesses start, a domestic clean, you will never pull back someone's Uh, duvet you won't change their bed really you won't look in their fridge you won't you know that you won't clean inside the oven an oven is a separate oven clean you know you wouldn't be so when I started an essay I thought are these people having a laugh asking me to wipe down their oven excuse me that's between (laughs) 45 to 65 pounds thank you very much and you want this done in a studio clean of an hour and 20 minutes however what I started to realize was 
it's SA. So if you're in there most days cleaning it, the oven doesn't really get that dirty unless you've got a long-term guest that has used it. So if our cleaning team were giving it a good wipe over every day, then actually it's not a full oven clean. It's yep. just a okay. wipe down. So I learned a lot as a cleaning business. And if you don't earn, you learn. I lost a lot of money um, at the points where I took on some bigger contracts and I thought they were going to be amazing. I was sending teams to Cambridge. I was sending teams to London. And then I in, in the hope that it was going to build up and I'd build a team there. And I made mistakes. Mm. And I'm sure there's SA hosts that I've worked with that probably think also we made mistakes. It's no one's fault. We're all learning. Yeah. And now I've learned. I hope that this podcast helps a lot of people see from both sides. Yeah. You know, because I've understand. I'm now understanding a lot more that SA hosts are not all bad. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I love you all. Okay, we're friends again. We're forgiven. We're, we're forgiven. forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> so I, we, we're going to uh, wrap up the the podcast now. Yes. Okay. So um, we'll we'll ask each other one more question each, shall we? And so I, as I teased it earlier on, I want to know, are yes. you as scary as people think you are, Khadija? Oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be really honest because my podcast is called Keep It Real with Khadija. And that's what I do. I am the nicest person, not blowing my own trumpet, but I am. I would like to say that everyone that knows me, I would give my right arm to anyone. I would bend over backwards. I would give my last penny. I've come from nothing. And quite frankly, I don't really care if I have nothing. I am the kind of person that if I was living in a caravan or living in a mansion, it wouldn't really make much difference to me. That's how I'll always be. But one thing I do not like is people that are not nice or people that are rude, or people that are manipulative, or people that are just being downright unnecessary. And when I am faced with those people, I am 10x worse. <laughs> so if I have some, I mean, I will, a disclaimer, I am never manipulative, it's not in my nature. But if I see that somebody is very rude and abrupt, I am 10x rude and abrupt back. And I can't help it. You fight fire with fire. I fight fire with double fire. We've got a full on <laughs> like, fire. we've got 10x fire. Go and it's happened this week. I, this week I have had a lot going on and I'm nice and someone's not nice and then I'm 10x not nice back. And I don't know why I do it, it just happens. Note to self, be nice be Khadija. nice and I'll be nice. Be yeah. horrible and I'll be doubly horrible. Okay. That's the thing. Well, I think that's fair <laughs> enough. I think that's fair enough. Thank you. And my last question to you. You were in the army for 24 years. I was. And now you're in SA. I am. Both of them, I guess, you need to be clean and tidy and organised, right? <laughs> it's funny you should say that, Khadija, <laughs> because um, my other half, Caroline, uh, might well be uh, tuning into this uh, podcast she, every now and then, oh. uh, if I can force her. But um, <laughs> here's the thing. I was in the army because my dad was in the army. I don't know if people can just relate to that. And yeah. so if he'd have been a, I don't know, whatever, a plumber, I'd have been a plumber. Oh. You know, whatever my dad had done, I'd, I'd have wanted to follow in his footsteps. And so that's why I joined the army. But ultimately... I know for a fact that you'll be, relate, be able to relate to this. I um, have always been an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I spent 24 years in the army as an entrepreneur. And, and people listening into this uh, podcast uh, or watching uh, the video of this, a lot of people will, will relate to the fact that, yes, they are in a job right now. But ultimately, they have an entrepreneurial gene. They, they, they are wishing and hoping for something else, something mm -hmm. different. Because most of us in jobs are not working for somebody else, putting money in somebody else's pocket. That is not what we were put on this planet to be and to do. Definitely, if you're an entrepreneur, that does not feel right. You feel like a fish out of water. Yeah. 
And so I was building up my property portfolio whilst I was in the army. Help, you know, whilst I was a young soldier, I would go out and sell vacuum cleaners and do Love things it. like that to try and make some extra money. And because I wanted to, uh, to you know, I was also, a, a, oh, I am also a single dad, but I, yeah. I uh, had my daughter um, from a from very early age, got custody, etc. So I was wow. juggling. You know, we juggled. You don't know what we? it's like. Yeah. Life isn't easy. And, no. and I was lucky. You mentioned earlier. I was very lucky with the help of my mum and sisters, a um, couple of wives along the way. Let's not talk about that more. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I, I juggled because you do for your yeah. kids, don't you? Yeah. And but I was always an entrepreneur, and then I was able to hand my notice in and then leave the army because of I'd been investing in property during my army career I was able to leave the army without the need to get a job perfect and and that's what I've done ever since um, November the 11th 2011 which is when I left the army Remembrance Day 2011 uh, because I handed in my notice uh, on that day a year before and I served one year but to answer your question Khadija I'm not a naturally tidy person I had to force myself Oh. And I'm, I'm, I'm terrible now that I'm a civilian in terms of being tidy and being organised. I'm not. I'm an entrepreneur, first, second and third. And so I was, I was just, I was a regimental sergeant major. Mm. So the shouty guy with the big stick, okay? That's right, on my street. I, you would have been a better sergeant major than me, Khadija, <laughs> because I used to have to just pretend to be scary and pretend to be shouty and pretend to be regimental. And I might apply. Sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, but here's the thing, we do, we put on a mask, don't we, when we're in a job. For sure. And, and I can now be who I want to be now that I am a, an entrepreneur and I don't have to dance to anyone else's tune. And that's why I think that an awful lot of people listening to this podcast, if that is what you want to do in life, then there's nothing stopping you. What oh, do you think about it? I could not agree more. The one thing that I would say, and that in hindsight I might have done, is you had a side hustle. You were doing your, you were, you were in the army and you, you had your side hustle. My daughter was born unwell and my job was for oh, the wow. financial ombudsman in London and she was born with birth defects. You would have seen it on the Apprentice spin-off episode. Um, but we moved back to Peterborough and so I didn't really have a choice. I, by the time I'd paid for travel and childcare, there would be no point in me returning to my job. So I Googled a cleaner business. Mine was circumstantial. In hindsight, maybe I would have applied for a job and had stability and then created my side hustle business because there has been so much more pressure and so much more stress uh, on me and the family and my relationship broke down as a as a result and now we're building it back up but you know I think the way you've done it having your side hustle and then coming out side hustle hustle. (laughs) do you know I can't take ownership for that that's Catherine Turner's phrase Catherine Turner loves a side hustle Um, so yeah to all of you out there I hope that this has been really informative from both our sides have your side hustle and be entrepreneurial with <laughs> so any build up final your passive words. income whilst you're still in a job there's nothing wrong with that so that you can replace your job income and then go full on full time into business or into property For which sure. is definitely what i advocate people doing yeah uh, and then you can live the life that you want to live i agree Hallelujah. Oh, this has been fun. We need to go, but I could do this for hours. Uh, we could we could go on and on. So hopefully you found that useful. I'm going to sort of wrap up this um, for this Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Um, as I always finish, um, here is to your success in serviced accommodation. Oh.
That was great. Now I need something catchy <laughs> like that. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap up my first podcast interview with Kevin Paneskus. And I am going to say thank you to everyone that's listening. We are going to continue to keep it real. Uh, sign up, whatever you need to do. Keep it real with Khadija. And good night. Good afternoon. <laughs> good, good night. <laughs> oh, and good, good afternoon. night. Good afternoon. Good morning. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>